we have lit the fourth candle, which is the candle of peace, and now we light the center white candle. The first Sunday, we lit the candle of hope. The second Sunday, we lit the candle of love. The third Sunday, we lit the candle of joy. This morning, we lit the candle of peace. Now we also light the center candle. This candle represents Jesus. When we light this candle, we remember Jesus' birth. Our waiting has ended. When we look at the center candle, we remember that God sent Jesus to give hope, peace, joy, and love to all people. Outside of Bethlehem, the shepherds saw a great light and heard the voices of angels. They traveled to the manger and saw the baby Jesus. Far away from Bethlehem, wise men saw a star in the sky. They followed the star and were filled with joy when they found Jesus. They remind us that the gift of Jesus was not just for the people in one place, but for all people. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus for all people, not just those in one place at one time. This Christmas day and up until then, help us to remember and rejoice again because Jesus was born. May we live every day remembering your love and care and showing that love and care to others. Amen. This is the fourth and final week of Advent, a season of preparation and celebration of the arrival of the Messiah. This is also the last Sunday before Christmas. The First Testament prophet Isaiah foretold of this great event from Isaiah 9-6. We find the familiar words, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. These words were spoken about 700 years before the birth of Christ, a long time to wait for his arrival. Humanity still needs a savior, and we are once again in the season of Advent as we look forward to his return. Jesus' own words from John 14, 1 through 3, says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. So the Apostle Paul reminds us in Hebrews 9.28, says he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. At Christmas, we celebrate the first arrival of our Savior, born into this world as the Christ child. Mark read the story of the nativity this morning from the Gospel of Luke. We sang hymns about the joy of the shepherds, the hope of the world, the love of God, and the peace of that special night. If only for a moment we allow ourselves to experience life as God intends us to. This is a season when we should pause and remember the real meaning of Christmas, which isn't about shopping and presents under the tree and, and paid days off work. Rather, it's about the gift, a single special gift given to each one of us. We take this time each year to ponder four themes of Advent. This is the fourth and final week of Advent, and is a week where we consider the theme of peace. But before we do so, I'd like to revisit the other themes of Advent. 
Hope is a word that has been diluted by its over and improper usage. We now speak that we hope for our favorite team to win, which the Chiefs did, yay. And we hope that weather is nice on Saturday. But the theological definition of hope is much greater. Hope is a confidence and trust in what is to come. Generally, this means God's promise. We trust in God's promise that gives us hope. But hope can also be used to describe the Messiah. And that word hope then becomes a noun, the hope for all people that is in Jesus Christ. Hope and faith are intertwined and an element of each is required in the other. Because hope is a confident expectation, this is much more than a wish or a would be nice. When we speak of the hope that we have as Christians, it is based on something of great importance that, that isn't in doubt. Although the mechanism and timing of God's response may be unknown by us, we, but we know it's assured. It is with faith that we trust in the hope of God's mercy, his blessing, or, or his intercession in a situation. It is with hope that we look forward with faith, confidence, and maybe even an element of excitement and anticipation to what lies ahead of us in this life and the next. Consider this perspective of hope when we say something like, I hope I go to heaven. Of course you do, and of course you will. We don't have hope as a wish because we know of God's good nature and loving plans for us. I'd like to share with you a short video clip. It's actually a commercial, but it illustrates this very well. You've probably seen that commercial. Which, which one would you want to open, right? It's hard to wrap that and, and not hide it, but this child sees all these wonderful gifts, and if we'd pause it before, you'd see there's all these presents, but on the end of this table is clearly a pony, right? That's what hope is. Hope is knowing what's coming, right? Hope is knowing what's coming, because you're, you can hope for a pony, and she has the hope because she knows it's there. The hope of Advent is the confident expectation that Christmas is coming. The hope of Christmas is the confident expectation in what he came to do. And this, as the angels announced to the shepherds, is for all people. We don't have to wish for good in this life because God has provided hope through covenant promises. He didn't hide it very well. He said, I will take care of you. I will love you. I will never abandon you. We don't have to wish for salvation because Jesus has secured that hope for us. The second week of Advent brings a theme of love. And we've talked about the different kinds of love. The love we have for friends, the romantic love we have for our spouse, the love we have for family, and the perfect love of God. And the images on the screen, they, they capture the closest thing that I can relate to God's perfect love. That's for me personally. And as we look at our children and feel this seemingly endless amount of love and care for them, right? We hold our, 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 our baby and we just look at them. We just, they're so perfect. We love them so much. And as we do that, we can understand why there's comfort in considering God as our heavenly father who looks at us with that much love and acceptance. We will make God proud at times. We will. We will disappoint God with some of our choices. We will. But God will always love us and will always want a relationship with us that looks something like this. 
The third week of Advent brings the theme of joy. We certainly associate a spirit of joy with Christmas, don't we? Even our carols reflect it in titles like Joy to the World, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. And, and there's in the lyrics, angels we have heard on high is joy. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Hark the herald. We just sang it came upon a midnight clear. Talks about joy. Joy. That's the theme of Christmas. I didn't have to look too far to find some Christmas videos that capture joy, but it isn't the presence under the tree that is, captures the true joy of the season. Watch a couple of these. Some of them won't need an explanation at all. child thinks he's on stage singing his program and there his daddy has been deployed sneaks up on him that's joy that's joy you want to start crying watch youtube channels of homecomings and these surprises here's another one 11 year old tana just spent the last two years wishing the judge would make her foster parents her forever parents they Caring, loving, they take really care of me. And then last Monday, her friend Miss Jackie, her best little friend, her best little buddy, the office manager at her school, walked in with amazing news. I grabbed her shoulder and I just said, "Have you heard the news, baby? Have you heard how you can take your part of the family?" My heart was so happy. One more. may have been scared that's leave right there she may have been scared but that's joy that is uncontrollable joy and that's what scripture says the shepherds they just as mark read it said that they they went to see what was on they heard off and found mary and joseph and the baby was lying in the manger when they had seen him they spread the word concerning what they've been told and all that heard were amazed and the shepherds said to them and it says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Joy. Inexpressible joy. I'm going to leave that moment, that image up for a moment because I, I love that, right? Joy isn't just happy. I mean, she, you can't, she looks scared. But joy is this overwhelming emotion that it's more than happy. It's, it can exist even in unhappy moments. 
I shared the scripture last week from the book of Hebrews where the apostle Paul reminds us that, that for the joy set before him, for what he knew was coming, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand at, th- at the throne of God, Hebrews 2.2. 2. The joy of Christmas is reflected in the excitements of the shepherds, like I said, having been told of the birth of the Savior. The story of nativity tells us that they, overflowing with joy, returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. And this brings us to the theme of the final week of Advent, which is peace. Peace can mean the opposite of conflict, right? It, when, in, in times of war, we pray for peace. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18 tells us that Jesus unites us in peace. It says, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God. Listen to that. In one body reconcile everyone to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we have access to the Father by one spirit. That is peace. By following Jesus' example of forgiveness and his commandment to love one another, he puts an end to hostility between people. And of course, we have yet to master this, which is why the world still needs its Savior. But the biggest reconciliation that Jesus accomplished was the one between God and us. That is the peace he brought, the reconciliation that he brought. And in addition to war and interpersonal conflict, peace can be the opposite of stress or worry. And maybe this speaks more to you. These things plague us to the point that creating a superficial sense of peace through counseling and medication, yoga and all that stuff has become a billion dollar industry. That's how much stress and anxiety just is going on in the world right now. And our bodies were not created to handle the stress. And and when we put it down, when we swallow it down and kind of contain it, it's not good. It's not healthy. It's not how God created us to, to live our lives. God wants you to live a joyful life, a full life, or as scripture calls it, a life abundant. This is God's desire for us. So it makes sense that he would send his son to us to, with peace of being a part of the mission. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be the Prince of Peace. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what's different about Jesus' kind of peace? Scripture describes it as a peace that surpasses all understanding. This statement is found in Philippians 4, 7, but let's hear it in context. This is when Paul is giving us instructions about not being anxious. So when he's saying, give everything to God, turn it over to him, surrender to him. And he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a lot to consider. The peace of God, not our own sense of peace, but the kind of peace that God knows and can give us. It says, which surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense in this world of uncertainty and all the stuff that we've got going on that we can imagine a sense of peace. And it's not just a peace that settles us. It's a peace that guards our hearts and our minds. But just like joy, we can feel 
in the face of adversity, there's a peace that comes from having a Savior. We, we, we mourn the loss of our loved ones. But we have peace because we know that God has promised them a future. And Jesus is the way that that happens. And God has made the same promise to each one of us. And the kind of peace that God gives is a deep down soul-seated contentment. Peace is not a spiritual gift like like the ones that Galatians describes, right? With goodness and joy and and self-control and those things. Peace isn't listed in there. But peace is an expression of the Holy Spirit. Peace is an undeniable result of understanding the nature of God and his promises and accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't help but experience peace. Now, the world has a lot going on these days, and certain uncertainty can cause stress and apprehension and, and rob us of our joy if we let it. But we have a God that is greater than all of this, and we can find peace in knowing that he is a loving God that will never, ever abandon us. At Christmas, we celebrate the hope, love, joy, and peace that Jesus brought into the world. How can we not be moved by the wonderful gift of grace that we all received that morning? Just one more video if you'd share it. The hope, love, joy, and peace was brought into the world that morning, that Christmas morning belongs to the world forever. If that's something you struggle with, if you have struggle and if you're struggling to, to understand what these words mean, to experience them in your life, or why God would, would care about us, I want to hear from you. This is the season, this is the time, and don't delay one more second to get your questions answered, to reconcile a relationship with Jesus and his Father, our Father, 
who loves us dearly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the most wonderful gift that Christmas morning. A gift that truly gives forever. A season that is without end. A love, a hope, a peace, and a joy that came into the world that the world had never known before and has never known anything like that since. A gift that is timeless from a Savior that we still need today. Lord, there are some who do not recognize him. Lord, we ask that you lead them to him. Lord, help us to to turn people onto that path. And Lord, if we count ourselves among those who seem to have lost our direction, help us to find our way back to you. You love us, you care for us, you forgive us, you accept us. And we thank you for that gift. We're sorry it cost the life of your son, but we rejoice in the redemption and the peace that we have as a result. It's in your son's holy name that we pray. Amen. I'd like to end with just a benediction. It says, may you be filled with the wonder of Mary, the obedience of Joseph, the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the determination of the magi, and the peace of the Christ child. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let's join a circle and, and sing Silent Night.